From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, welcome into the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. It's Mark Weiser with Ryan Dennis of the Athens Banner Herald. And it is Charleston Southern Week, Ryan. Is it, or is that really like a bye week, you think? Oh, man, that's uh, that's getting into touchy subject. Yeah, it's a bye week for Georgia uh, as they prepare for Georgia Tech. And then uh, we'll see, but most likely Alabama in the SEC. There is no line, as I could see. I even reached out to our USA Today uh, sports Gannett uh Sponsors, uh, what's our official affiliation with uh, the fine folks at? Uh, uh, what'd you say? Betting? I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> how did uh, Alabama had what a forty-nine point? They were forty-nine point favorites last week, or maybe even more than that. Yeah, t- typical sports book. I reached out to them and I said, "Hey, do you guys have a line on this thing yet?" And they said, "Not yet." So uh, as we record this on Thursday morning, um, there wasn't a line, but um, I will get my own line. I would. I don't know what number you would come up with. I'd say fifty-five. That's that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Uh, and right now, what do you think? Do uh, well, they cover? Um, fifty. Yes, I, I think they will cover that. I mean, a sixty-three nothing game sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, I saw that um, ESPN's Bill Connolly, who does the S. SP plus rankings. He, he does like projections based on his computer models, I yeah. guess, or, or whatever his metrics are. And he had a score of like, I don't remember the first number, but I remember the second. It was something like 47 to one. And uh, how does that, how does that I don't possible? think there's a possibility for one. Is there? Yeah, there is. What if you return an extra point? I saw it. I saw it one time. It was a weird thing where, uh, let's see, somebody, it was a, it was a fake fill or extra point. That was thrown in the end zone. The guy ran it out and then ran back there is, in the end there zone. There was a one-point safety, apparently. That was it. That was it. They gave him a one-point safety because it was a botched field goal. And uh, I can't remember what game it was. This and it is had a, to be about 12, 15 years ago. Something called Victory Sports uh, describes it this way. Yeah. A one-point safety is when a team trying a two-point conversion or PAT turns the ball over. The defense takes the ball out of the end zone and then gets tackled in the end zone for safety. That's exactly what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty close. That's impressive. Well, uh yeah, so that might... I uh, saw it one time. One time. All right, well, we'll be on the lookout for that. Absolutely. Uh, hey, we're going to have former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray joining us to talk the Bulldogs as the regular season winds down, probably get into the quarterback situation and uh, whatever other fun subjects yeah. we can talk that'd about. Be, that'd be fun. Um, one thing I think I might ask him, and Ryan, I'm going to ask you, give okay. me a rating for this viral Her- Kirby halftime talk. Ah. Uh, that showed up on uh, the internets. Uh, would you give it a PG thirteen, an R, or an NC seventeen? I give it an R, but I I don't understand. Well, I mean, would anybody think that he was saying anything otherwise in the locker room? I mean, what is it? I don't get what the uproar would be about that. And I hadn't seen anybody. I haven't, actually haven't really noticed. I haven't seen anybody uproar. complain about it, right? But but I I guess the thing I'm saying is I see people acting like people are complaining about it, and I don't get why anybody would think that there was anything wrong with what he said because it is a locker room and uh i mean i assume that's what's always happening in a locker room now 
you know, on his coach's show, they, they, they often show uh, clips of Kirby talking to the team in the, at the lo- in the locker room, not at halftime, but post-game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've seen those, haven't you? Oh, yeah. So the, there seems to be a lot of folks in there that aren't necessarily like... Um, yeah, I see Lawrence Smith in the background a lot. Lawrence there, pre- <laughs> President Moorhead's there. Yeah. Now, do you think Moorhead was in there at halftime and was like running his cell, no. cell, <laughs> cell phone audio when he leaked it? Well, that'd be, that'd be a story. You need to get in on this. You need to investigate. Um I wonder if Kirby, like, initially you would think he wouldn't be happy about it, but, like, I wonder if, as it kind of settled, like, he's kind of like, this kind of makes me look like a badass. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to uh, all my recruits and uh, tell them this is this is what you're coming to play for. Yeah. All right, well, we'll ask Aaron about that maybe. Um, Ryan, uh, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. I saw it last night, I guess it was. Uh, the Big 12 reprimanded and suspended the Texas Tech radio crew for criticizing officials during their broadcast, oh, they got to they got to miss the game this week, and whoever Texas Tech's playing—that's bogus. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I, I I get that like the schools are are they pretty much employ these these broadcasters right, and right. stuff, but like, I mean, is that like? I mean, that's not like a coach going in the post game and being like, "Hey, these refs suck." Right, that's the point. Uh, yeah, that may that's that uh, crosses the line if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, who would be most likely, you think, um, of the radio crews that that you <laughs> not necessarily Georgia uh, Georgia's radio crew, but like let's say your Braves, your your Hawks. I was thinking your uh, hold on a second. Who else we got? Braves, Hawks, Falcons. Falcons. Who's the most like crazy? Not crazy, but like uh, you know would be um, you know getting on the officials. Or, well, or, <clears throat> Hugh Durham, right? Doesn't he still do the Falcons? Uh, Hugh Durham. I'm, I'm not here. Hugh the Durham is a former Georgia, <laughs> former basketball, Georgia basketball coach. Uh, yeah, Durham. Uh, what's his name that uh, does? the Falcons he's he's sometimes a little uh, critical of things but I tell you who would be I tell you Steve Holman of the Hawks he is always like oh where's the foul there that way on the other end uh John Collins got hacked oh, yeah, you know and uh I could see him being the one that and then he's done it for like 38 years so he'd probably be like oh, I don't care whatever yeah you know he hadn't missed a Hawks game in like 30 years or something like that it's ridiculous but he would be the one he would be the one that would give it to the officials and not care I don't know if Texas Tech, uh, looking it up, um, yep, it looks like they do. Uh, this is from 1999, so I don't think that's necessarily the case. But they used to at least have uh, their uh, games broadcast in Spanish. See. Si. Uh, and maybe they still do. I don't know. But um, that would certainly be a way to probably get past that, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I bet they have uh, I bet they have some people that would uh, understand. You think the saying. Big 12 is employing like multilingual uh, yeah, people maybe. there to check on? Hey, maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, um, hey, before we talk about Georgia's game, and we're probably not going to talk too much about Charleston Southern, but talk about some of the things that came out of the big win uh, at Tennessee. Um, Adam Anderson made a court appearance uh, yesterday in Athens uh, um, for a bond hearing, and it was about two and a half hours. I was over there covering it. Um, so he's he has been released on bond. It's twenty five thousand dollars. He gets to finish uh, this semester at UGA. That's presuming that um, you know whatever uh, on campus uh, investigations going on on his rape uh, charge. Um, that uh, that it's going to not be determined by then. Let him finish out the class. Then, uh, by this court order, uh, he will have to uh, relocate back home to Rome, Georgia, and uh, can't be uh, back in the Athens Oconee area, um, except for you know if he has to meet with uh, any attorneys or any other legal matters. Um, it was a surprising uh, court appearance because there was a second allegation that came out. Um, from a woman that came forward after this uh, um, allegation of rape 
um, before the Friday before the Florida game that she says uh, she was uh, raped as well in October of 2020 at Anderson's Coney County apartment. So, um, you know, there were victim statements from both uh, these women that that alleged that Anderson uh, violated them. And, um, you know, they didn't want him to be released from jail. And they talked about the the trauma and uh, the anxiety at, at, you know, um, things that they've had to deal with being called certain names and social media harassment, stuff like that. So obviously not the kind of thing that I wanted to spend my Wednesday afternoon covering. But as a Georgia football writer and a prominent Georgia football player in court, it it, it is what it is. And and obviously, uh, you know, not the best of situations for Anderson and and these women. Yeah, I was a little surprised that uh, he was allowed to finished out the semester at Georgia, uh, you know, and uh, with, with, with two allegations now against him. And I guess that was the biggest uh, thing, especially the, the, what would you say, severity or what the punishment or that he has to go back to Rome, you know, and can't really leave there, that he would be allowed to. Well, I mean, he, he just there. can't be in Athens at a Coney. I mean, he can go like right, if he's right. going to see a friend in Atlanta or something. Um, it was an interesting scene that, you know, uh, Adam's lawyer, Steve Sadow, um, he, uh, you know, had a hundred uh, emails or letters of kind of people su- in support of Adam Anderson that he submitted to the court about why he's, uh, you know, kind of speaking to his character and the, the type of person that they know of him. Um, and then you had about 40 um, family members, you know, his mother was there, his brothers, aunts and uncles, um, t- his high school football coach from Rome, elementary school teachers, uh, all these people came all the way up from Rome to be in the court and to, to, you know, let the judge know that, you know, this was the guy that they know. Um, and then you had, you know, eight to 10 Georgia football players, uh, in court, um, you know, introduced their, you know, their names and, um, Nolan Smith came, stood up and spoke about, um, that he didn't think Adam was a flight risk and, you know, would cause any problems once he was released. So obviously the, the victim, uh, the, I guess the two victims are alleged victims now. And, um, you know, those that were there in court in support of them, uh, they didn't speak up, uh, you know, to give their side except for, you know, the statements that were read for the two women. Um, but, um, you know, this will be a long process. I mean, we're talking about probably maybe a year before it unfolds, uh, you know, as it, as it works its way and see if, uh, you know, where that proceeds. But it obviously Adam's not going to be playing football for Georgia uh, anytime soon. Yeah, and that that was no surprise. I think that did you get a quote from the uh, attorney about that? Or well, he, he said it. it he, he said, yeah, he said it in court okay. that um, you know. And it, it was no surprise to me that Nolan Anderson. I mean, uh, Nolan Smith was uh, there too to represent him because after we um, after we talked to them after the uh, what was it Missouri game maybe a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the things. You know, I think they're roommates, and uh, he said that you know they're really good friends. So. Didn't surprise me that uh, to see Nolan Smith's name there, and then I think you also mentioned Brian Gant was there. Uh, yeah, Brian Gant took the stand and and spoke about how he he knew Anderson. Brian Gant is uh, the former uh, Georgia player, and uh, you know been on the staff for for several coaches. And I learned recently at uh, Cedar Shoals grid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, in happier news, um, yeah. on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Jordan Davis was named uh, to a couple uh, of these award lists. Outland Trophy, he's a semifinalist. 
um, goes to the best interior lineman, and um, yeah, I think he's the only defensive guy of the six uh, final or semis, semifinalists, and uh, one of the three finalists for the Nagurski Trophy yeah. that goes to the best defensive player back home in Charlotte. He'll get to hit of a banquet on uh, the Monday after the SEC championship game in town there. Now, David Pollock claims the Nagurski Award, right? I mean, he claims it. So he's saying he, he owns it, but he doesn't. he didn't really win it? Oh, he owns it. It's just uh, in the Butt Smear building, if I'm not mistaken. Haven't we seen that award there uh, quite a bit? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Do they still have them in there? They've, they, I don't I know think what, what so. they've done now that they've had the new uh, $80 million uh, you know, facility. True. That's true. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, good. You know, Jordan, I, it's funny to me this year because uh, obviously he's been good, but I mean, the media hype for him, uh, well, and maybe social uh, media hype has been. Uh, through the roof for, for Jordan and uh, you know uh, it's no surprise I guess that, that it, would, it would kind of pay off in, the, in this sense now the Heisman still think that's going to be a stretch so uh, you think he like lost a little ground in the last week <laughs> no I don't I won't say I, I just don't think he ever had a shot at the Heisman well, I think he clearly has a shot. He's actually showing up on the odds makers. Now, he doesn't have a shot to win it. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. He, does he have a shot to go to New York? I think he needs to have like some splash, you know, big-time plays. He's had like four sacks. Uh, against Alabama in particular. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Um, Nicobe's, you know, obviously, you know, also making a lot of highlight plays and very productive. And so, uh, you know, maybe. Well, I will say nothing against Jordan, but there's 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 been some better play on the, uh, you know, there's uh, not not in a, not saying this in a bad way, but there's been some uh, some better defenders on Georgia's teams that have made this, or you know, a uh, a banner year for that defense. Ooh, you're saying the other guys are better than Jordan Davis? No, I'm just saying, you know, you see the way that uh, Quay or Channing or uh, Nakobe get to the ball. I mean, they're, they've been quite impressive this year. Hey, or even Lewis Seen. I mean, you know, he had a play the other day where they tried to run a trick play for Tennessee and uh, tried to get behind. They were behind the defense for just a split second. Lewis Seen came out of nowhere and knocked it away. I mean, I wouldn't – I'd have to think about it in terms of, you know, if I could draft a guy on this Georgia defense to start my defense. I mean, Jordan would be a pretty good place to start with – with what he can give There's you. a lot of unsung uh, hero-ness to his position, right? I mean, he's taken up two or three blocks at a time, and uh, obviously that's a big part of why these linebackers can get loose and get in there and and uh, make these tackles like they do. Um, hey, thanks for plugging a story I did on the inside linebackers earlier this week. Uh, Channing Tindall, um, you know, huge game. Three sacks against Tennessee, uh, forced a fumble, and, and obviously we talked about Anderson not being available. Um, who still leads a team with five sacks. I think Channing Tindall's now up to four and a half, maybe. And I was surprised when I wrote that story. Uh, you know, Tindall's got like ten and a half career sacks now. You wouldn't necessarily think that, um, you know, because he, he's still a guy that has never started a game at Georgia. So he didn't start. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. Because Quay Walker started, right, uh, right. you know, with Nakobe uh-huh. since I guess near the end of last season. Um, so. Um, I, I'll keep saying. I mean, Channing Tindall is just. Uh, it's just. It's been a fun story because he comes in with. You know the hype, and he has this mold of Roquan when he comes in, and everybody thought he would be Roquan from the start, and he just was kind of slow in developing. But to watch that guy on the field, man, he is a, just a lightning bolt out there. You're saying people thought Channing Tindall would be Roquan? I said he had the build of Roquan oh, okay. and, and okay. kind of that okay. hype of being yeah, yeah. a, uh, a I, speedy I think, linebacker. I think Nakobe though was the guy that you thought was the next you yeah, know, yeah, Roquan no, two row, and he probably is almost. You know, yeah, he is. I mean, that whole linebacking core is yeah. just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the defensive line is too. I mean, so 
you know, this is why Georgia might win a national championship. I mean, they, they on both those levels, they're damn impressive. Um, and, uh, sorry, real fast. I mean, and bringing in Kendrick, I mean, uh, what, a, what a huge move that was. And he's been a lockdown uh, cornerback and made that big play the other day to intercept the ball. Ryan, um, I saw that Mel Tucker is about to get paid a lot of money. Um, I think I it was, was it 9.5 million a year. He's going to be making? he could be the highest paid uh, African American coach in all sports, which is which is awesome. Right. So that would put his money ahead of Kirby. Now Kirby clearly is going to be getting more than Mel Tucker. Um, you know, no matter what happens, like you know, even even if they lose to Charleston Southern, no, that's not going to happen. Ah. Uh, but my point is that if that's the if that's kind of the um, uh, sort of where the line's drawn in the sand. I mean, Mel Tucker hadn't won anything yet. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, he's won. He's he's a hot commodity. I mean, other teams, other programs want him. Right. And, well, and, I was going to say, this is more of a uh, not keep him at Michigan State, but keep him leaving right. from to go to LSU, right? Right. So Kirby's he's going to be getting Buco cash. and uh, What a ripple effect, am I right? You're saying there's a ripple effect coming down to the writers? That's great. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> um, hey, uh, this game, Charleston Southern, uh, as I said, we're not going to break it down much. But let's talk about the quarterbacks. Um, do you, How do you expect they're going to uh, use these guys? I, I, I think if the, if the game plays out like it, it should, it, there's really no reason for Stetson Bennett to play more than a quarter. I can say it feels like Vandy, doesn't it? Yeah. I think you play JT Daniels a quarter and a half. Um, you play Carson Beck, you know, another quarter, and then get Brock Vandegrift in for a little bit. Yeah, it sounds exactly like what I was thinking. You know, when uh, well, they get out 35 nothing in a blink of an eye against Vanderbilt, except it was the opposite. It was JT Daniels coming out, and he'd never been heard from again. This is the part where, now that I just said that, um, there's probably a listener out there that will say, what are you doing? Why are you talking like this is going to be a blowout? Did you ever hear about Samford against Florida and how that thing uh, got scary? Yeah. By the way, we, we want to uh, kind of wish well to Christian Robinson, who uh, had a rough game. You presume if you're the play caller and uh, that's your first game, friend of... Uh, Aaron Murray is coming over, right? Yeah, he's fr- <laughs> friend, friend of Murray. Yeah, we should have asked him about that. Or, yeah, you know, we should, I guess. So maybe, I don't know. Um, hey, uh, you know, what about the offensive line? Xavier Truss came in for Warren Erickson, uh, who gave up a, a ta- tough tackle for a loss in the run game. And then uh, Kirby said was also dealing with the flu and I guess mispracticed Monday because of the flu. But this creates some interesting scenarios as, as Georgia kind of, you know, gets ready for this playoff run uh, and the SEC championship game after these last two games, uh, you know, Who's the best five? Like, does Xavier Trust stay ahead of Warren Erickson? Does Jamari Sawyer stay at left tackle when he comes back from his foot injury? Which you would think, mm. why bring him back this week? I mean, let him let him get the, get well, that. Well, senior day, right? Wouldn't that be a reason to? Well, uh, you can walk on senior day without playing. That's, that's true. You but, don't have to play. Yeah, you, know, you want to get one last game in, you, in San Francisco. You want him to turn something and then miss Tech and miss Alabama. You do have a good little fill-in in Broderick Jones, so throw him out there. All right. Well, yeah, but do you keep Broderick Jones? Do you put Sawyer at no, one I of mean, the guard Sawyer's spots? Sawyer's the guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. I would, if Broderick Jones is, uh, you know, is 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 doing as well as uh, you know it looks like he's doing, hey, putting Sawyer at a right right guard, man, that would be a, a good line. But I mean. I don't know if you uh, really change, you know, don't don't fix what isn't really broken. And uh, they've had a, a solid line this year. And, uh, you know, if Warren Erickson was battling a little bit of that uh, flu bug going around, I, I don't think that he lost his job for any reason. Hey, let's, uh, let's talk about James Cook a little bit against Tennessee. Ten carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Three catches for 43 yards. This is kind of what we expected James Cook to have the capability to do, mm. you know, pretty much for a couple of years now. 
Um, and you know, when you saw, I, I saw they went four wide on that touchdown pass, you know, and then flexed out, mm-hmm. you know, Cook sent them in motion and lined them up there. And, and I mean, a linebacker against James Cook, that's trouble. As soon as I saw that, you know what I thought of was that Alabama, Alabama yeah. yeah, last year and, and Stetson too. I bet that went through Stetson's mind. And as soon as he had it, he said, I know where I'm going with this pass and threw it right up there to him. But yeah, that was Cook's uh, best game as a bulldog. And I mean, uh, you know, you put Zamir in there, who didn't, who didn't really do much, but every time Cook touched the ball, it was about an eight, ten, you know, yard gain, if not more. And then what he can do receiving, I mean, that was uh, very impressive. He'd have, he'd have done well on your fantasy team if you had him. Well, speaking of things that reminded you of something else, A.D. Mitchell uh, at the end of the first half, I think it was four catches of his five on the game, mm-hmm. came on that ninety-yard drive uh, where he was just the target, you know one after another after another. Isaac Nauta against Florida, uh, whatever year that was back then, that was the same deal where every pass was going to him, it seemed like. Uh, So, you know... uh, that's that's quite the uh, the drive there to to, to march down there and, and get some points and uh, what, what else stood out for you? I mean, look, the secondary gave up a lot of yards. A couple, of, you know, I don't, <clears throat> feels like a hundred of, of them were late. And one of, one guy had two hundred yards receiving, didn't he? Or yeah, close to it. yeah. Um, but they got tested, and and you know that that's going to happen when you play in Alabama, when you play in Ohio State, um, and they held up pretty well. Kirby certainly was happy. Uh, this week when he was asked about it, it you know, that, that there was somebody I guess might have asked him, was this kind of a bump in the road? And he said, this wasn't a bump in the road. This was a good test that we kind of showed something, uh, you know, you know, playing a different, they, they were playing more man given, you know, all the, the right. widespreads that they had and guys lined up all the way up, uh, you know, by the sideline. Um, so, um, well, I think they did a good job of taking that initial punch, that first drive by Tennessee and then really, you know, setting the tone. And, and again, that Kendrick interception really just kind of, I think it took any air out of, uh, you know, Tennessee's balloon or at least uh, took some steam out of that engine there. And uh, they really couldn't couldn't do much more, uh, you know, effectively after that. You good with uh, the starters pretty much, except for a guy or two maybe being on the field there with like a minute left? And uh... I, Yeah, I don't know. That I would have, I would have had a few backups in there, but I guess they wanted to, you know, keep them from uh, topping ten points, and they wanted to. Keep no, no, them. this was after that. I'm talking. It was, it was already forty-one seventeen. We're talking. There's three thirty-eight to go. Yeah. Um, that's when that's when Tennessee scored, um, and then you know Tennessee got the ball back, and, and you still had your guys in. I think they took over with a minute five left. Well, what did Kirby say? You don't want leaving anything to chance against yeah. an offense like that. Yeah. But I, you know, I might have uh, given some other guys hey, a, look, a moment or two. The, it, no one's going to say it, but like, you don't think Georgia takes a lot of pride in that, like. You know, look, nobody had scored 13. Now somebody scored 17. I mean, if they can keep this under 20 the whole season and and things of that nature, I I think, uh, you know, they want to set some records if they can. Sure, they do. I think that's what they they have that in mind, definitely. All right, let's bring on Aaron Murray and uh, talk more about uh, the Bulldog. All right, joining us now is former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray. I believe he still might be the SEC career record holder for touchdown passes and passing yards. Now an analyst uh, on college football for CBS and uh, does some work with SiriusXM and uh, has the uh, Punt and Pass podcast with Drew Butler. Aaron, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, Been a crazy year, fun year. Uh, Way too fast, that's for sure. Well, as we sit here, Georgia is number one for something like the fifth straight week chance to make the playoff is 
uh, like 98, 99%, something like that. How are you feeling about Georgia's chances to lift the trophy in uh, Indianapolis, which I guess is the 10th of January, maybe? Uh, I feel great. I mean, right now, when you kind of obviously look at the schedule the next two weeks with Southern and then Georgia Tech, there's a very high chance to uh, to go in the field to go 12 and 0, get to Atlanta, and then you look at Alabama and kind of what they have to do these next two weeks. You know, they got to face obviously Arkansas, which is a good football team. They got to face Auburn. You know, without Bo Nix, but still, it's, it's a rivalry game on the road. They are going to have to, you know, spend a lot of energy these next two weeks where Georgia can get healthy, most likely had the chance to bench some starters in the second half, get those guys ready to go for the SEC championship game. So I think they're going to be feeling really good here in a few weeks in Atlanta, uh, where I think Alabama, you know, just this year is just not as good as a football team as Georgia, still obviously capable of beating Georgia uh, on any given Saturday. But I like their chances in the SEC championship game. Uh, obviously, you get the first seed. You play the four seed. I, I don't know who's that four seed going to be, but you know, I guarantee you, Georgia probably will be a double-digit favorite over them. Uh, and then, can you beat Ohio State most likely? Because right now, I, I you know my my belief is Ohio State is is the second best team, third best team in the country at the moment. Um, you know, I love Georgia's defense against what they're doing. You know, I think I think Ohio State offensively, you know, with C.J. Stroud and those three receivers, I think they're pretty darn good. Um, I don't think they're great, and I don't think they're great on defense either. So, yes, if Georgia does what they need to do and they keep playing the way they've been playing, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that they'll be the champs at the end of the day. Obviously, Aaron, uh, former Georgia quarterback yourself, we've got to talk about Georgia quarterbacks. You have uh, JT Daniel, five-star, kind of sitting there on the sideline with injury, I guess, and Stetson. I mean, he hadn't done anything wrong, it appears, but still the fan base is – broken up about it. So what's your opinion? I mean, is there any reason that Stetson needs to be unseated, so to speak? No, no chance. Uh, I, 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 honestly, to me, I wasn't sure heading into the season if Stetson could be a guy that could win you a championship. And he, he's changed my mind. Uh, I think everything that he's done from last year to this year, he, he's improved, and especially on the deep ball accuracy. And I know he's not perfect, but shoot, no one's perfect at the deep ball accuracy, but he's taken major strides in that department, it's funny, I, I saw Stetson during the bye week and was just asking about the offense, and he's like, man, I just feel way more confident right now with the system, second year with Munkin, and it's showing. Uh, I think he's done everything that you want to do and want to see out of him throwing the football. Obviously, his legs have been tremendous when things break down. The zone read game, the RPO game, he's making the right decisions. So, yes, I'm sticking with him. This offense in my opinion, is getting healthier and healthier. Receivers are coming back. Uh, knock on wood, hopefully George Pickens comes back here in the next few weeks. That's a huge addition. Uh, the running game is doing their thing. Like Everything is clicking all cylinders. I'm not messing with it. I'm not touching it. I'm going to keep Stetson in there and let him keep uh, you know being the field general uh, throughout the ball game. Don't make mistakes. Let the defense kind of you know take it from there. So, yes. Stay with Stetson, and, and if anything goes wrong, you got a tremendous backup in JT. The guy pulling the strings behind this offense is Todd Munkin, obviously, with Stetson and, and what he's doing, um, you know, with the, with taking advantage of his running abilities uh, as well. And I know you do a, a great job of <clears throat> breaking things down on your, I guess, your iPad with with coaches' film uh, on, a, on a, I guess, weekly basis. What are you seeing, uh, you know, in in terms of how he is, uh, you know, making the uh, designing these plays and and really uh, setting his guys up to have success? 
Well, it, it still starts with the run game. Um, you know, this is, is a team with a stable of running backs who, you know, have all had kind of their opportunities throughout the season. Obviously, James Cook last week was tremendous, and I love what he's done with, with him. And, you know, it, it's this is a game all about matchups. So when you got a weapon like James Cook, you know, you get him on jet sweeps, you, you motion him out, you get him one-on-one with linebackers, you take shots down the field. Obviously, we, we know what he can do in the backfield as well. But he's moving guys around in different places, especially the tight ends. You know, Brock Bowers is, you know, in line, hanging on the ground. You split Brock out to the slot. You put him backside one-on-one. You move Darnell Washington around also to see if you can get some kind of matchup with him against linebackers and safety. So I think he's using all of his tools, which is, which is great. Because the last thing you want to do when you've got talented tight ends, and especially when you've got talented running backs, is just put them in traditional spots. Running back here in the backfield – tight end you're you know against the tackle and it just makes it easy for defenses to game you know kind of form a game plan against you so i think the biggest thing that i'm loving with with monk in year two is him feeling comfortable with his weapons moving guys around making it easy for for stetson to figure out is it man is it zone just like last week you motion you know uh, james cook out of the backfield a linebacker goes with him all of a sudden, now you know it's man-to-man coverage. I got to go route with James Cook against the linebacker. I'm going to take that matchup all day long. So it just makes it easy for the quarterback to decipher exactly what's going on. And it's been a really, it's been it's been great to see. And I, I guarantee you, you talk to Todd Munkin, uh, he's feeling better this year, and and just you know, the experience that he has, and also the experience the players have in his system. Flipping sides of the ball, uh, I don't know if we've seen a defense uh, this good, especially not at, at <laughs> not at Georgia, uh, you know, uh, of late. But um, when you break down film of Georgia's defense, uh, what makes them just so dominant? Well, they're always in the right position, and and, and give a lot of credit to Landing and that defensive staff. I mean, they do a great job making sure their their guys know exactly what they need to do every single Saturday, but. Um, you just don't see a lot of blown assignments. Uh, and, and obviously there are some along the way, but they, they, they're very sound up front when it comes to gap discipline. Linebackers still extremely well in the run game. Safeties are fast. And I think that, too, is the, the second thing. It's just the speed of the defense. And those guys are flying around the football. You, know, you think you have a play made, and all of a sudden a safety is able to get a tackle for loss. Um, and, and coming downhill, they don't miss tackles. They disguise coverages extremely well. And I think their linebackers are some of the best linebackers when it comes to putting pressure on quarterbacks. You get a third and medium to long situation, you bring the Kobe Dean or, or Quay or Tyndall, those guys are some of the best blitzing linebackers in America. Uh, their ability to shed blocks from offensive linemen, get in the backfield, be disruptive, is, is great. Uh, so really, there, there is no weakness. I know people want to kind of harp on, oh, the DB's not good or the DB's not good. I think they showed us a lot last week versus Tennessee, and I think they can handle their own versus Alabama. I think they can handle their own uh, versus Ohio State if they do have to play those receivers and C.J. Stroud. So all in all, very disciplined, a lot of speed, a lot of determination, and, and, and most importantly, some really darn good coaching as well. Aaron, uh, there was a Kirby Smart kind of viral <laughs> locker room uh, clip that, that made its way out into the public domain in the last couple of days uh, from your years of playing football on, on uh, obviously high school, college, and, and pro level. What, what's the most spicy locker room talk you heard in your days, and uh, do you think uh, that kind of stuff Ooh, goes this on? Is a, this is a PG podcast, to, to, Well, I'm not asking <laughs> to recite it like verbatim, but, uh, you know, 
I guess I imagine you weren't offended necessarily because you've probably been there before. No, I, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> you probably said more more f words than Coach Rick said in, in <laughs> four or five years I was in, on campus. Uh, all in that you know one minute span. So it was great. I loved it, man. I was juiced. And and and, it's, and it's, the thing is, when Kirby talks to his team, even then. He's not talking down to them. Like, he's not belittling them. He's talking to them like grown men. And I absolutely love the way he interacts with his players. He treats them like professionals. They respect that. And they go out there and act like professionals. And it's just really good to see. I'm, I am upset a little bit, though, because the locker room is a sacred place. Mm-hmm. It's a place where you should feel free to, to speak your mind, whether it's player to player, coach to player, player to coach, whatever it is. That stuff should not be leaked out to the public. And I'm, I'm sure Kirby's not happy about it. It shouldn't happen going forward. I'm hoping it doesn't happen going forward. But as a fan and someone on the outside looking in a little bit, it got me juiced. I was, I was joking with my boy Drew Butler yesterday. I was like, listen, they should take that clip or get Kirby doing other clips and send it out to, like, you know, your, your, your average uh, you know, person who works in an office. So they like open their emails one morning and they get this incredible, you know, pep talk from Coach, uh, you know, Kirby Smart. You know, maybe less f bombs, but just get in your face. Time to go make some money, kind of mentality. Uh, but I loved it. But you know, they they got to find a way to make sure that doesn't happen going forward when it comes to leaking what goes on in the locker room. I mean, he did look at us in the media that time and say, "How about them bleeping dogs?" So it shouldn't surprise anybody, right? Oh. That, <laughs> that he would no. he would drop a few. Um, so, so you, um, you know, mostly West Coast, I know, for, for CBS Sports Network, but you got to call the Georgia-Auburn game uh, earlier this year. Was, was that odd uh, to, to call your alma mater's game and uh, to, you know, have to break that down and, and all? And uh, what, did you, uh, what did you think of that whole experience of uh, getting to call a Georgia game? I'm happy they finally let me do it. I know <laughs> they were worried that I'd be yelling, like, go dogs and screaming and yelling up in the booth. So, it was it was it was great, and um, you know, it's funny. They I mean, the first game I call a Georgia game is is versus Auburn, of course, and all the heated games I had there at Jordan Air Stadium uh, really made for an excitement. Obviously, Bobo as the OC there, love that. I covered Carson a bunch at Boise State, so familiar with him. But it was it was special. It was fun. I'm glad they won. Uh, I tried to be as neutral as I could. I had a bunch of dog fans text me like, man, you're so pro-Auburn. Why are you being so anti-Georgia right now? I'm like, I'm not, but I can't be. I think they were like expecting me to be like, like the hometown call, like, go dogs, touchdown. I'm like, no, I can't do that. Like, I had, a, I had to play my part. So I think I was pretty down the middle because I had a bunch of Georgia fans pissed at me and I had a bunch of Auburn fans pissed at me. So uh, hopefully that means I did a decent job. Aaron, you are a father now. You have a 17-month-old boy, um, and uh, you come from a family where, where obviously, you uh, you had a great athletic career, and, and your brother played at Georgia as a walk-on. Your sister, I remember writing a story back in the day, did some flag football in high school. What about your newborn? Is is uh, or a relatively new child? Uh, how is uh, how is the athletic ability of him? Uh, well, hopefully he's a golfer or a tennis player. Uh, I'm going to try to keep him away from football as long as I can. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be tough because he's going to be seeing highlights and, and hearing about you know the the good times there in Athens. But you know if we can keep him away from getting his head knocked in like his dad, I, I won't be mad about it. So I'm trying to you know put a golf club in his hand as much as I can right now. Uh, and plus his mama doesn't want football too much. But 
it's probably going to be inevitable. Uh, I'm just hoping that he's not like a six foot quarterback like like myself. My my wife's side of the family is pretty tall. Um, her dad is like six four. Her brother's six four. She's like five nine. So he's got some good genes. He'll be a big kid. But like I said, man, if I could keep him on the golf course, I'd be happy. <laughs> the- I was going to say, I, actually, I kind of probably uh, short-shafted uh, uh, Josh, considering he was a uh, like top 50 uh, MLB draft pick uh, by the Brewers. But, uh, yeah, he's a second-round second pick right out of high school. He only The crazy thing with Josh is Josh only played one year of high school baseball wow. and still was a second-round pick, like second-round, uh, seventh pick in the second round uh, with the Brewers. So, yeah, he... Josh is a heck of an athlete. He just, you know, his biggest issue is he just couldn't stay healthy. Well, baseball wouldn't be a bad way to steer your kid, right? I mean, that's uh, less no, violent. No, I just, as a, yeah, but as a parent, I don't want to be sitting around watching, you know, <laughs> 20 baseball games on a weekend. So, that to me, it's a little bit me being selfish. <laughs> and those those individual sports where all the money's at. So, yeah, steer them toward, uh, yeah, steer them toward exactly. golf. Um, when when you think about your Georgia career, I mean, I'm sure a lot of things stand out. But is there one moment that you just think back to, man? That was that was great. That was the moment. Uh, I you know I always think about the the, the LSU game my senior year. That was obviously a great game. You know, game day was there. Two top ten teams. A uh, lot of lot of really talented players. Between you know, we had like Gurley and Marshall and. Uh, a bunch of other studs. The quarterback battle, of course. Jarvis. Uh, yeah, the quarterback battle. They had Jarvis. They had Odell. I mean, it was just a you know star-studded affair. And it was back and forth, back and forth, a lot of fun. But obviously winning the game was electric. It was, it was, it was one of the most, you know, exciting times I've had in that stadium. But it was really after the game. We're in the locker room. Bobo came down, you know, was screaming for us to get back on the field because the fans – you know, hadn't left the stadium yet, and we went out. You know, 15 minutes after the game, and the place was still packed. There was 90, you know, plus thousand people still not wanting to leave Stanford that afternoon. So, you know, we stayed around for like another 20, 30 minutes, ran around the field, had a great time, and that was to me just showed how special football is in Athens, how how, how special that team is to the state of Georgia, and and just how amazing our fans are. So, to me, that was probably the most exciting and, and, and entertaining game I've been a part of. And then also the afterwards, the interaction with the fans was, was, was something I'll never forget. Aaron, usually we, uh, <clears throat> we kind of wrap it up talking about kind of breaking down the, uh, the game Saturday, but since this Georgia game against Charleston Southern really isn't worth breaking down, I want to ask you kind of what you remember about being behind the scenes on a week like this, you know, where you have an FCS opponent. It's really a chance to kind of, you know, let your guys uh, get their bodies right and maybe get some backups, more playing time. How much look ahead do you think there is, uh, like in a game like this, in terms of the coaching staff, the players getting any work in for Georgia Tech or, or Alabama, which presumably would be the week after? Well, I think if, if if this was you know back in you know during my time at Georgia, they would maybe get a sneak in a couple periods here or there to get ready for Georgia Tech's offense, right? Just a triple option, but we did that throughout the season. But obviously, Georgia Tech doesn't run the triple option anymore, so maybe the coaches may take a sneak peek. But you know, us players, we 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 have so much going on during the week, and and, and you know, between getting our bodies healthy, getting in the weight room. Uh, watching film, getting the game plan ready for Charleston Southern. And obviously you still have school going on as well. So you really don't have extra time on your schedule. Say, oh, let me go start watching some film on Georgia Tech or let me start watching some film on Alabama. 
you kind of leave that up to the coaches if they want to dive into it, and you kind of just take it week by week. But it's a great time to, like I said, get healthy mentally, get healthy physically, uh, and hopefully get some of the backups in because those guys work so hard on scout team all week and all season long. That's always good to see them get in there and you know, especially a home game, get out there in front of the home fans and, and get their, their their chance to experience it as well. All right, Aaron's going to be in the booth uh, on CBS Sports Network this weekend. It's Wyoming at Utah State. Is that a Friday night game? Saturday at 8 no, o'clock. Saturday at 8 o'clock. Yep, Saturday at 8 o'clock. Just found it. So you got a 12 o'clock noon game with Georgia Charleston Southern. Go get a nice dinner. Come back. <laughs> open up a cold one and, and watch Aaron uh, call the game. What do you think? Yeah. Well, Mountain West action, man. It'll be fun. Utah State has a chance to clinch their side of the Mountain West. So uh, hopefully, hoping for an entertaining one. they got a great offense. Wyoming has one of the better defenses in the Mountain West. So it should be a good clash. All right, Aaron, we appreciate it, uh, as always, and uh, safe travels, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you down the road. All right, guys, have a good one. Go dogs. All right, before we uh, make our weekly picks, and we want to thank Aaron Murray for joining us, Ryan, Georgia basketball has a game uh, against Georgia Tech Friday night at 9 p.m. in Stegman. I don't know why that thing what are they is doing TV TV baby well I know but I mean on Friday night football season you know you got a lot of uh, high school football playoff games going on I mean it just doesn't seem smart we'll go catch the first half of a I mean, high school what, game Sunday at one would be more ideal to me to play that game yeah TV TV Jeez. Um, Georgia is uh, two and one beat uh, South Carolina State team that I think is owned five now um, like you know they went to Cincinnati and, and gave them a better game than you might have thought. You know, they had a chance there towards the end. Um, but uh, Aaron Cook uh, looking very good. I think he had like 22 and 8 or something the other night. High flying Okendo. Eight, eight assists. And then Cario Quendo made Sports Center top three with one oh, of really? his dunks. Yeah. Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah, top 10. He made the, the number three play. So I uh, wrote about uh, Cario Quendo from uh, down in Florida. Uh, check it out on onlineathens.com. And uh, Bulldogs will go next week, uh, Monday, Tuesday to Newark, New Jersey uh, for a uh, Thanksgiving week tournament. They're going to play Virginia. I think it's Providence or Northwestern as the second game. So Georgia with a chance to, uh, you know, get some quality non-conference wins in these next three games. All right, Ryan, you're, you, you any comments about basketball? You want to roll into the picks? I was going to say uh, Virginia hadn't been they're not they're not the national championship Virginia that we've seen. So, you know, maybe Georgia can uh, play a good game hanging there with them. And uh, I do believe the Lady Bulldogs, the women's basketball team is 2-0 and as well and have dominated a couple of lesser opponents. Yeah, they got a game Thursday night against Mercer. Um, speaking of Virginia, uh, Abdurri, I just butchered his first name, Abdurrahim? Mm-hmm. No, not Abdurri, it's J- Jabri. Mm-hmm. That was, his uh, uncle was... Uh, is is Amir. Um, anyway, uh, he's kind of had a little bit slow start here at Georgia. He's playing his former team, Virginia, on Monday. So, uh, you know, we'll see if he can get going. I know he came in with a, a good reputation, but was battling a foot injury. But Sorry, I was going to say, you know, Bridges has been kind of impressive too early in the Very season. much so. Yeah. Braylon Bridges getting him very good inside presence mm-hmm. with the scoring, the rebounding, and his ability to, to pass as well. All right, our weekly picks. Ryan and I went 9-7 and seven last week. Um, so, uh, dang, I went eight and eight. I think I'm like, uh, 71 or 72 and 77. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, your numbers are way different because I don't know why. <laughs> All right, let's make some picks. Actually, uh, speaking of you know trying to get over 500, I got more games than usual, so we're not going to spend as much time breaking them down. Florida State's at Boston College. It's the Eagles by one and a half. I'm on the Seminoles train. Jermaine Jones is 11 sacks now this se- wow. this year, the former Georgia Bulldog. I'm taking uh, Florida State. Give me uh, Boston College uh, with, the, uh, with the points there. Wake Forest is at Clemson. It's the Tigers by four and a half. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, give me Wake Forest. That's an odd line to me. I, I, I believe in the Deacons. Yep, I'm taking Demon Deacons. I like their ability to put up points even if they can't necessarily stop teams. Justin Ross, the Clemson wide receiver, is out for the year, going to undergo surgery. Iowa State is at Oklahoma. It's the Sooners by three and a half. I'm taking Oklahoma to bounce back from their loss that knocked them you know, maybe out of the playoff picture. Give uh, me, yeah, give me Iowa State. What's the line on that? Sooners by three and a half. Okay, yeah, I'll take the points there. Texas is at West Virginia. It's the Mountaineers by three and a half. Texas, man, that's a spiral in it. Give me West Virginia. Nope. Longhorns, I've lost five straight, but I'm taking the Hook'em Horns, getting the points. New Mexico State is at... Well, actually, let's do this one first. Michigan State's at Ohio State. It's the Buckeyes minus 19 and a half. Man. What a line for a for a you know two teams ranked inside the top ten. Give me uh, give me Sparty and uh, our pal uh, Tucker. Nope, I'm taking the Buckeyes, giving the points. Michigan State uh, didn't uh, fare very well in their last big game a couple weeks ago. New Mexico. They beat Michigan. No, I'm talking about the one that the week after against Purdue. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Actually, that's not the big game, but they did have a letdown there. New Mexico State is at Kentucky. Uh, Wildcats are favored by 36 and a half. That's a lot of points. Give me Kentucky. I'll go New Mexico State. Um, okay, well, I'm still taking Kentucky. <laughs> um, wait, didn't New Mexico State just play Alabama? They lost by a lot. Is that the, Yeah, I thought that too. Uh, well, I need I, to check that. That seems a little bit weird that you would schedule that. If they won those games, would they be the SEC champs? Well, you know what? They, uh, I bet they got a lot of money out of it. Maybe they, maybe they got to support all the athletics. Uh, so, what you got over there? I think I got a wrong. I think that, I think I got a wrong team there. I need to check that out. Hold on. A yeah, New Mexico or New Mexico State. I do know that. Uh, no, it is. It is actually them. Man, Holy smokes! They they played at Alabama, and at Kentucky. They might as well just stay in the southeast. I was going to say, did they ever go back home? Yeah. All right. Uh, Georgia Tech's at Notre Dame. It's the Irish by seventeen and a half. Uh, this is not a good Yellow Jackets team. I'm taking the Irish, get uh, given the points. Yeah, me too. Washington's at Colorado. Huskies by six and a half. Ryan, go ahead. I'm going to say there's going to be snow in Colorado. Give me the buffs. You just guessing the weather? Did you look it up? I'm going to guess. Uh, nope. Uh, the Huskies just fired their coach. Give me... Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Colorado just because Boulder is a beautiful town. and uh, They're only three and seven, but they, they play better at home. I'm taking Colorado. Arkansas is at Alabama. The Tide by 21 and a half. Give me Bama. They're crushing teams not named LSU in Florida. Well, I'll just take Arkansas just to be different. All right. SMU is at Cincinnati. It's the Bearcats by 11 and a half. Give All me right. SMU. I'm, you know, Cincinnati has not impressed me in the last few weeks. Yep. I'm taking SMU. Uh, Cincinnati's going to win. They're not going to cover. Uh, SMU lost at Houston and Memphis, but only by seven and three. UCLA is at USC. It's the Bruins by three and a half. The Trojans have lost three of the last four with only win over Arizona. Give me UCLA. Mm, man, that's a uh, that that game certainly doesn't have the uh, the pop it used to. But I, I think I'm with UCLA too. You're, you're with which team? U, UCLA. Florida's at Missouri. The Gators by nine and a half. We talked about uh, how it was a rough day. It was a seventy to fifty something? Uh, and they still danced in the locker room afterward. Yeah. Um, I'm taking the Tigers. You know, they're getting nine and a half points. I'll, I'll, I'll take them. 
Yeah, give me Mizzou too. Auburn's at South Carolina. The Tigers are favored by seven and a half. That Tigers. Wow. Um, Mike Bobo and Will Friend back in Columbia after uh, coaching on that staff last year, then leaving when when uh, Beamer arrived a little bit later. Uh, Tigers do not have Bo Nix. I'm gonna take the Gamecocks getting the points. Yeah, give me Auburn. I think they can uh, throw somebody in there and beat uh, beat Auburn. I mean, beat uh, South Carolina by more than seven. Vanderbilt is at Ole Miss. It's the Rebels by 36 and a half. I'm taking Ole Miss at home to roll up the points. Who they got? Vanderbilt. Oh, man. Now nah, give me Vandy. Oregon's at Utah. we got three more to go here. Ducks are by three and a half. I am feeling it for the Utes. I'm taking Utah at home. Uh, Oregon, I feel like, is vulnerable. Uh, I'll take Oregon on the road. I mean, they're third still in the in the college football playoffs. I think they uh, will uh, be inspired to keep that. Ranking. South Alabama at, at Tennessee. The Vols are favored by twenty eight and a half. That offense can easily cover that. I'm taking Tennessee. I agree with you. And last one, Ryan, you can pick it first. By the way, as I mentioned, I think we're not picking Georgia Charleston Southern because there's no line as we speak. But um, I'm you know what, what do I need to say. I mean, Georgia's going to kick there. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech's at Miami. Hurricanes are favored by seven and a half. And I'm going to go – oh, you go first. I think Virginia Tech just firing uh, Fuente. Maybe uh, – you know, that always seems to be a be a uh, spark under a team when the coach gets fired. So I'll go Virginia Tech. So you're kind of looking back and saying like when Brian McClendon led the Bulldogs to the Penn yeah, State win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were inspired by Mark Rick getting fired, you're saying? Well, there was – what was it? Uh, three regular coaches and eight grad assistants or something? Bulldogs were fired up. <laughs> I think you might be right. Well, you know what they were fired up about was Kirby sitting up in the uh, press box. They Did were, they even know he was there? They had to have. They're like, hey, this is uh, this is a guy I'm going to play for next year. Uh, I'm going to go with the program that just fired their AD over the one that just fired their coach. So I'm taking Miami, uh, giving the seven and a half points. I mean, that's good pick, I guess. I mean... I saw a lot of happy people that they, uh, you know, Miami fans that were happy they got rid of that guy. And well, I mean, the, the next thing will be their coach will be fired after their new AD comes aboard. But all right, uh, that's it. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. And uh, next week, I don't know what day we're recording, maybe Wednesday. Oh, yes, Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week, and it's Georgia Tech week. And uh, we'll be fired up for uh, all of that, the food and the football. So everyone have a great week. Uh, weekend, I guess, coming up. And uh, go enjoy Senior Day with, uh, I think it's like 30 guys they're going to be going through. And mm. we don't know exactly. I mean, some of them will be coming back. Some will did a story on that as well on onlineathens.com. Do a subscription. We got a dollar for six months, I think it is. Uh, give us a five-star review. Ryan, what else you want to plug? Um, I, I got nothing. How about your hat? He's wearing a Bill Elliott hat. Yeah, a free Instagram uh, score. Yeah, it's pretty pretty sick. They uh, stitched it and everything. Right, Ryan's going to tweet out a photo of his uh, hat. Bill Elliott, 1988 Cup champion. All right, see you guys. So, John, question. With Auburn firing Gus Malzahn, it leaves Ed Ogeron as the SEC's only coach who has beaten Nick Saban. Who's going to be the next SEC coach to beat Saban? Well, I don't think he'll be the guy that a lot of people think he will be. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He almost beat Saban last year, and he almost beat Saban when he was at Tennessee. Fisher promised he was going to thump Saban's rump whenever Alabama comes to College Station. I think he's got a shot. He improved Texas A&M to 9-1 last year. He's got a national championship 
championship to his name. If Haynes King is the real deal, he's got an early opportunity in October to beat Nick Saban. Look at Saban's track record for losses. It's usually to a great quarterback, Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, or Joe Burrow. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, I think, could be the best quarterback in the league. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams, let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Nealon, but I did interview Bear Bryant and I interviewed Nick Saban, and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts.